This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Only 30 minutes are all those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Uh, I have a lot of stuff for you this week. Um, we have uh, an interview um, with a Dallas Mavericks fan, Ruben, um, who has just started to pick up the Albion. Uh, always interesting speaking to new fans uh, of any kind of timeline, really. But uh, as you will see in the conversation with him... Um, we get into it, and he is a very new fan. Um, so much so that he didn't really know much about or see much of the Chris Hutton era. Um, and you get to dive into his uh, connections to the Albion and see why um, some random dude in Dallas, uh, Texas, picked the Albion of all teams um, to support. Uh, but I thought I would hit up the uh, little piece of news for myself. Um, don't often talk about stuff like that uh, on the show, but um, some pretty big news coming out of the show this week. Uh, I've been talking to um, Big Heads Media um, news podcast uh, network for about a week now, maybe two weeks, actually. Um, they uh, reached out, um, had some interest of bringing me on um, to their network. They were... Uh, Essentially, they were looking to, or they are looking to, flesh out uh, the soccer and sports scene on their podcast network. Um, they have a lot of big ideas and a lot of cool ideas. Um, so I, you know, I heard them out. I looked into them. I had a good, uh, good investigation, so to speak, of uh, who these people were and what they stand for, and everything looked really good to me. So um, I signed the contract last week and got everything knocked out, um, and. Yeah, for it's quite a big move. Um, together, a Brighton Hove Albion podcast is now under Big Heads Media um, Network, which is really cool, really exciting for us. Um, it's just going to uh, expose us to the world even more. Um, you know, hopefully there'll be even more of those uh, new fans realizing that there's a place for them to come and uh, talk about the Albion and. Um, for those of you who uh, are listening from the UK, you know, maybe it's something that you can utilize to uh, find a couple of sports podcasts that maybe work out for you or just whatever, really. Um, it's a really exciting opportunity for the show. So I, I took them up on it. Um, I'm sure that there's a couple of questions that listeners have. Um, does that affect the way you listen to the show? Uh, the answer is no. Um, the show remains the same. It is a show by a fan for the fans primarily and always. Um, that will never ever change, so don't worry about any kind of format changes or anything like that. Um, and secondly, probably, 
we're moving on to a network. Is it going to be full of adverts for, um, you know, random nonsense that you don't want? Uh, the answer is no to that as well. Um, there will be one uh, commercial advert throughout this show. Um, usually it'll be uh, at the end. So when you're looking to move on from this podcast and maybe pick up another one, um, there will be an advert for a show, uh, a sister show on the network. It won't be for um, erectile dysfunction meds or anything nonsense like that. Uh, it's going to be for a show that's also under the network. Um, and, you know, you can either listen to it and head over to that podcast and see what you think or you can move on um, and we'll see each other next week uh so i just wanted to get that out in the open really early uh basically nothing changes at all um and it's a really exciting opportunity for me and all of you listening um to continue to just grow the podcast uh not that that was ever the intention at the beginning but um there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. Second year syndrome um, in the Premier League usually leads to teams falling apart. Uh, but for our show, uh, it seems to just be going from strength to strength. Uh, I've had a couple of other people reach out. Um, and there could be some really exciting stuff coming up uh, in the near future for Together. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, and mainly just thank you all for making this a thing, right? Um, I talking to a microphone every week but you're the ones who listen you're the ones who uh provide feedback and chat and give us all something to talk about um so thank you so much uh for everything you guys do listening to the show um but we're gonna move on uh, to our first interview of the week um we have uh ruben like i said from dallas uh so i'm gonna pass it over to the phone call that I had with him today, uh, Sunday the 8th of September, um, and enjoy. So I have Ruben uh, on the line today, um, Dallas Mavericks fan uh, over yeah. here in Dallas. Uh, do you live in Dallas? Uh, yeah, I live in a suburb pretty close. It's like 20 minutes from downtown. Nice. Um, so, and you're a pretty new Brighton fan. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I started following... Uh, towards the tail end of last season, so. Oh, very new then. So you didn't, uh, you didn't have the pleasure of seeing too much of the January through to the end of the season of Hutton's run. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I saw Looking the last mad. couple games. I saw the last couple <laughs> games, and I was like, "This is really frustrating." <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess then uh, we may as well start with the obvious question of how are you feeling so far this season, given that this is your full uh, first full season with the Albion. Uh, so think about, so <clears throat> my expectations for like all the sports I ever follow are like, Oh, we're going to win it all. We're going to do it all. But, um, I know premier league is a, it's a monster. Um, and I like, like I've watched, you know, soccer, football, you know, a little bit, um, you know, before. And, uh, but I really like the way that they're playing this year. I like the attacking style. I like how it's quick. It's pretty fast-paced, um, sometimes a little bit to a fault. But it's, you know, the beginning of the season anyway. So, like, I think all sports, there's usually, like, a little a, kind of a grace period where, like, some teams have to, you know, work at stuff anyway. So I'm, I'm pretty – I feel pretty good about the season so far. There were – I think there was there were a few games where I thought that we should have had – we should have at least had a point – <laughs> you know, I feel like we should have at least like seven points right now, but you know, can't win them all. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, one and donate challenge less, um, oh, and we're God. on at least yeah. six. <laughs> yeah. So, so the other big question that I'm sure other people are wanting to ask is um, 
what made you start following soccer with all the big sports over here? Uh, obviously, you've, you're a big basketball fan. Um, I don't know how you feel about the Dallas Cowboys or anyone like that, but what made you choose Brighton and what got you into the soccer side of things? So growing up, so I'm um, I'm Mexican-American, um, which, you know, it's Mexican-American. The, the stereotype is that, you know, we all like soccer, which I do like soccer. Um, I, didn't grow, <laughs> I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up, uh, you know, watching soccer, actually. Um, I, will, I grew up watching baseball because my dad, my dad grew up, you know, playing baseball. So we were out. We were kind of the anomaly, like in the family where like everyone else, like everyone else would go watch, you know, um, America, you know, whoever were playing, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays, stuff like that. But um, I really got into it. I would say I really got into soccer. I got into like um, local MLS soccer when I was in college because I went to a college here called UNT, uh, North, North Texas. That was they were giving out free tickets, and I was like, "Why not? Like, why not go to a game?" Went to a game, fell in love with it. Um, you know, immediately like picked up FIFA. That year's FIFA. <laughs> you know, like I was like, "Can we just like let me play a little bit?" But like for me, like it took a long time for me to like find a you know EPL team to to follow because all of my stuff, like all like my whole idea is that. There has to be like a familial tie, so it's like I follow FC Dallas because they're the Dallas team. I follow um, in Mexico. I follow um, San Luis Atlético San Luis, who is um, my dad's from that area. Um, my mom is from a different area. My mom's uh, her local team plays in their second division, uh, so they're not that good. But you know, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then my uh, my girlfriend's family actually they're from Brighton like a couple of generations back they're from Brighton. And when she told me this, cause we started dating last year and she was like, yeah, they're from Brighton. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, and so I was like, that's cool. Like, I, you know, it's not like, I think it's the great grandparents or like where like they, they immigrated here to America. And, um, she's like, and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like maybe they have an EPL, maybe they have like a, you know, a first division team over there somewhere. And, uh, I looked on the map and I was like, "Oh, sh- oh, okay." There's a, uh, you know, I'm sorry if I can't cuss on here. No, but, you can. You're good. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, there's a, there's a fucking team like right, right here, like in Brighton, <laughs> like in the Brighton area. And she was like, "Yeah, like you know, why not follow them?" And I was like, "And I like their color scheme. Like, I like you know the seagulls. <laughs> They're such a weird, like, random to me anyway. Like mascot. Like it's not mascot, but like you know, it's a yeah. weird thing on to put on the logo stuff like that. But I love it. It's just like." You know, and then from there, like, um, from there, I watched a few games. My girlfriend actually, um, she bought me uh, Brighten Up, the book. Yes. She bought me that book to kind of, like, you know, just a, a, a way to, like, prime myself and figure out a little bit about the history of the club, a recent history of the club and stuff like that. Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, recent history of the club and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, man, like, again, like, for me, like, and it's funny because I do get made fun of, like, on Twitter, like, a lot of like, there's a like, because I'm a Mavs fan. I run a Mavs like centered Twitter account, but you know, a lot of people on there like, I'll you know, on Saturday and Sunday mornings, like I'll see like them, you know, talk about Man City, talk about Man U, and I'm here in my corner just talking about like, you know, like I, I get a couple of tweets off about you know the game going on, and then that's it. And people are like, wait, you support Brighton? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, I think it's gonna be they're gonna be a, I think they're gonna be really good in a couple of years. I think you know. 
you know, just it's one of those things where I'm just I'm excited about, you know, finding a team that I am really latching onto now. So I'm glad. Uh, and if there's ever a man to latch you onto them, it looks to be Potter and the way he's playing. Like you said, it's really Absolutely. attractive stuff. Um, and if you if you ever head over to Brighton, you'll quickly understand why they're called the Seagulls, because they are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. And I, I looked it up and I was like, oh, there really are like a lot of I looked them on YouTube and I was like. There really are a lot of seagulls over there. Holy shit. So. <laughs> so I'm obviously assuming you haven't been to a game yet or anything like that. Um, so what game, uh, if you were ever to come over, what game would you want to be your first game? And why so, that one? So we actually may be taking a trip out there in March. Nice. That's really so, cool. Yeah, we're, uh, we're talking about it. Uh, she's a, She works in a school district. So she gets uh, here. We have spring break. So. She gets that week off in March, and I was looking at the schedule, and I was like, okay, who's who's coming up? And it's um, oh, it's Arsenal that they're playing. They're you know they're playing at Amex, and I'm like, I'd love to, but I know the tickets get no, those tickets would be insane to get. Like I don't even mind like just going to a pub and just like watching the game, like because I'm sure tickets are going to be really hard to come across because it's Arsenal. Um. So that I would have a sneaky feeling if you uh, have a sneaky feeling that if you employ BHFC Twitter, you may well get lucky though, closer to the time. Um, oh. A lot of people will do a lot of things for you guys to get get you into the stadium because it's so it's still so novel to us, like just having people who are <laughs> actual Americans who are fans. Like uh, I've been over here a little while and I've uh, like found out a couple of English expats like myself who support them. But over the last year or so of doing this podcast and finding out there are a lot of actual Americans, like never ceases to blow my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I don't know. Cause I, I'd mentioned on Reddit and someone was like, eh, it's going to be kind of hard to find tickets. So I'm not getting my hopes. I'm not getting my hopes up too high, but I think we're still going to be taking that trip or at least trying to anyway. It's all about finances at this point. So yeah, 100%. March is a good time for it at least. Cause it's a lot cheaper than any other time. Um, but if you do end up buying the tickets for it, let me know ahead of time and we'll see what we can do about trying to get you to um, like a ticket of some kind. Uh, uh, obviously, I know a whole bunch of people, so we may be able to <laughs> wangle you one. <laughs> um, so who has been your best player so far? Who's been your, I say, I want to say player of the season, but it's been four games, so it yeah, seems it's kind of games. preemptive to say season, but who's been your standout so far? Um, I love Troussard. God, you're sorry. I love him so much. <laughs> like, um, I understand. I think he's hurt right now, actually, too, which, you know, is a little bit of a bummer. But um, him and for some reason, I have no idea why. I think it's because I read um, an athletic piece over him. But uh, Mape, for some reason, like I just gravitate towards that dude for whatever reason. And I don't know why, but I think he's going to be really good, especially with that that first game where they made that switch and he scored like almost immediately. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, this guy looks like he's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in the future. So those two guys, I think, are like my guys that I, I, I really latched on to. Yeah, entirely season. understandable. Uh, both entertaining players. Both are going to score goals. Uh, hopefully Trossard isn't out for too long because you're yeah. right. It looks like there's a groin injury and you never know with them. They could be, he could be fine next week or he could be out until October. So it's oh, a weird one, but hopefully not too long. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, in American terms, who's been your bust of the season oh, so bust. far? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he hasn't played at all this season, which is, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I guess because our depth, and I think Potter, you know, I think he's 
Potter reminds me of um, Rick Carlisle, who is the Mavs coach, in the fact that he he likes to play around. He likes to like experiment almost like in game, you know, just yep. trying different things and stuff like that. But I haven't seen anything of, um, and I'm gonna butcher his name. I'm so sorry. Um, Alariza uh, John Box. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he like. Because I read some stuff over like last season of like how like yeah, he might be taking a step forward and stuff like that or you know like we don't know if he's gonna be good or not and you know I had high hope I, the thing about me that like, I always have high hopes I have high hopes about everybody <laughs> like for all my play all my teams like I have high hopes for everybody like I which is really bad it's almost to a fall where it's like I eh, like you gotta quell your expectations and I just I know it's not it's unfair to call him a bust but he just hasn't played you know in any of the premier premier league games this year. And it's just, it's one of the things where I'm like, man, I like to, I would like to see him, you know, play, but. Yeah. It's a weird one with him. Uh, he hasn't really had the chance to get going at all. Um, and when he does come on, he looks really out of place. So yeah. hopefully he does, hopefully he kicks on. And I think that, uh, Potter is the right man to do it. He, like you said, he likes to change things around, and he also uh, really likes that close-knit squad, uh, keeping everybody together, almost like a family-type thing. And yeah. the fact that uh, Alireza stayed, uh, and you know, Andone and Lacardia left, probably says yeah. something about the fact that his attitude is probably at least really good. So yeah. hopefully, um, hopefully he will kick on at some point because we spent a lot of money on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> um, so talking Premier League, big picture. Um, again, only four games in, but do you have a, I just want to know what your prediction is on uh, who you think the three relegated teams are going to be all the way at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. So it's only been four games, but you know, Watford, you know, just doesn't look like anything. I remember I have a friend who's a Watford, you know, he supports Watford and he's like that first game. He's like, Oh, we're going to beat your ass. And I was like, ah, you know, like we'll see. Like I never, I never, I never talk shit because if it, if it comes back to bite me, I'm like, eh, like, but I was just like, eh, we'll see. And then like I text him afterwards and I was like, well, did y'all beat us or, <laughs> you know? So like I had Watford and then for some reason, like I know it's really hard and I think it's a lot like internationally, it's just hard for, like, I know in Mexico it is, it's hard for, you know, first, you know, year teams to like stay up. Yeah. You know, it's super Absolutely. hard. So the fact that Sheffield, is where they're at now. Like, and I know it's super early, but like, you know, Sheffield doesn't look as much of a pushover as I thought they were going to be. <laughs> um, so those are my two that I had like coming in. Like, okay, those are for sure. The third one is always really weird for me. Like looking at the table right now, it's like Norwich is down there. So is Aston Villa, SV, whatever. And it's just like, ah, eh, like at this point, like, and like at this point, like it's weird because this season, like it just seems like there's a lot of like, a lot can happen between like between like number like between 10 and like 10 and 20 like there's so many things that could happen <laughs> and i have high hopes that brighton won't be re- relegated you know i know that was that almost happened last year that was super stressful for me so yeah <laughs> so yeah i think those two for sure i think those two are the ones that i feel like are for sure going to be going down but that's fair you know yeah who do you think is going to win it then uh, uh, Manchester City and Liverpool seem to be the front runners yet again. Yeah, I got uh, City. So. Yeah, yeah, I got I got City going all the way. So winning the whole they, thing. Yeah, uh, they really do look like another absolute unit this year. <laughs> yeah, they look, yeah, they look fucking crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
Um, so how do you see us finishing then? How do you see Brighton finishing this season? Uh, better than last year? Or, better than last well, year, for say, sure. If you say worse, then that means we're gone. So <laughs> No, definitely better. Um, honestly, dude, like I feel like... I feel like we could climb to like 11, 12. Like, I feel like that's a good spot. That's a good, like, first year with Potter, like, him getting to know all the players and, like, you know, making sure everybody knows the system and everything. I think that's, I think that's a reasonable, like, it's a reasonable spot. And also because there are some, well, looking at the table right now, there are some, like, teams that have already kind of, you know, surprised, you know, again, yeah. like Sheffield. Like, Sheffield was definitely one. Um, Crystal Palace being another one, I think. And it's just like, I feel like, I feel like 12, 13 areas, it's a pretty good, that's a good range for us to be in. So, I feel like that's real. I think if we can, if we can finish anywhere around there, I think everybody would be delighted with it. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Especially after last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so as we come to wrapping up then, uh, I've got the key question that I'm asking everybody this year. Uh, and for you, it's an interesting one for any American fan, really, uh, who is interested in the other sports over here, because these sort of things have existed for a long time. Um, and soccer, football is actually just starting to find its feet in this kind of uh, department. But how do you feel about the uh, VAR system in the Premier League? Oh, right the VAR. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> VAR has it's destroyed like oh, I feel okay so I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of a good because I know like American football definitely like suffers from a lot of like stoppage of play and like like it being like oh like was it a catch was it not like was this really a touchdown you know stuff like that um I think another good another good um comparison would be uh, in baseball so in baseball, they didn't have a replay system until about two or three years ago. No, yeah, about three, three or four years, uh, three or four years ago, and um, they were kind of, kind of the same uh, things where it was like you're stopping play, like the momentum, like a team, you know, like oh, like was this really a home run? Was this really not? Like it, it I I get why it's there, and baseball has done a really good job of like. Okay, like you have like a, a manager has two challenges they can throw, and that's it. You know, okay, you know, that's all. That's all they get. And I think that's a good system where, like, I think VAR. I think VAR. It's um, and it's funny because like I have like I have some friends who are you know English friends, and like I've asked them, I'm like, how do you feel about this? And they're like, I fucking hate it. And I'm like, I totally, <laughs> I totally get it because because obviously like the the speed, the pace of comparing baseball and you know soccer football it's completely different you know yeah. and i feel like i feel like it, it it's almost like taking the wind out of sails when like you think that we've scored you know a goal and it's like oh wait actually let's go to the computer real quick check it out and it'd be like oh well, actually like you can't i feel like if there were a way to like in baseball where there are a way to like to like to only limit it to like maybe like three you know per yep three per 90 minutes or whatever, 90 minutes plus. And then having, if, you know, if it's, um, or if it's like international play, like, you know, having it to where it's like in the extra time, like you only have one, you have one other challenge or something like that. You know, you have one other yeah. time to check it out. Um, I feel like limiting that would help out a lot. Cause it'd be like, okay, cool. Like if they use up all their, sometimes they don't have to use it at all, or sometimes they can, you know, just, but VAR in this current state, I hate it. I totally hate it. Um, just because like, it messes up. It messes up the, the the pace. It messes up the excitement. Um, 
I do, however, um, it's funny because like when it comes like basketball, like I'm always like, oh, like you know, fuck the um, fuck the refs, <laughs> like I won't I won't <laughs> I won't robot refs, you know, like whatever, <laughs> like I want people, I want refs that aren't aren't ever gonna have like a human like aren't ever going to have like a human error, you know, to them. But at the same point, like I get like, I get why VAR is frustrating and its current state. And it's funny because like, I know that they're implementing it in MLS a lot. And even in MLS, like people are like, why the fuck are you doing this? <laughs> like, huh. this I is didn't your- realize they were doing it in, uh, in uh, the MLS too. That's interesting. Uh, they were using it, I think, I think started using it about two years ago. And it was just like, and I remember like going to an FC Dallas game and being like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> but even like Americans who like like the sport are even like, this is bad. Like, why are you doing this? But I think there still needs to be a lot of kinks like sorted out, and it feels like it's going to take a long time <laughs> because I don't think anyone's really, I don't think anyone has really um, started to like think about that yet about like how to fix it. No, no, no one like who has power to do anything about it anyway. So. Yeah, agreed. I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of kinks that they need to work out, but we'll certainly see how it goes. I hope they're I hope they're man enough to accept that it isn't working in its current state and kind of make oh, yeah. those changes as they can. That's I, my worry is that yeah. they'll just be stubborn. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that's, a, that's how a lot of uh, a lot of especially here in the states. That's how a lot of, like a lot of sports are. Like I know there's some issues with like the breathing and. You know, like replay stuff in uh, NBA, like in baseball, it's still like there's still like the human error aspect of umpires. And it's just every sport always has their faults and every sport is always very frustrating when it comes to that. So, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ruben. Uh, It's been a really cool chat. And uh, keep us informed as to whether you do go over in March and uh, we'll see what what the what the Albion fans can do for you. Yeah, Um, Cool. Thank you so much. Um, Have a good rest of your week. All right. Uh, Thank you so much, Ruben, for coming on the show. Super appreciated your time today. Uh, Thought it was really cool uh, finding out that of all the places uh, your great-grandparents of your girlfriend showed up were from Brighton. Um, And I suppose I never really considered how weird it was for the seagulls to be uh, a seagull to be kind of our badge of honor at the Albion these days, or like, well, have been for quite some time. Um... It's fun because, you know, you just never expect that. And the growth of um, our global fandom is kind of crazy when you think of the last couple of years uh, and the way we've the Premier League really has changed the landscape, so to speak, of who we are as a team. I think it's almost all for the better. Don't get me wrong, um, barring the angry uh, Iranians on Instagram that type, very angry things that Ali Rays are not playing. But overall, um, you know, I think it's done nothing but good for us. Um, so finally, uh, last part of the show, we all know what this is about, uh, top five stories of the week. And this week, uh, I've got a guest on to talk about the top five stories of the week because A, it was a bit of a slow news week and B, it's the international break. So there's only so much talking to myself I can do. <laughs> um, so I got Russ on uh, from the uh, three-man roundtable uh, for the season review last year. Um Got really good feedback on it, so, you know, why not get him back on the show, uh, talk about those first four games and the top five stories of the week. So uh, I'm going to pass over to that interview, and that will wrap up the show. Um, So enjoy, uh, and if you 
have any uh, feedback, thoughts, feelings, concerns, you can hit me up as always uh, at the Together BHA Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, or Google Mail, Gmail. You can send me an email with any thoughts, feelings, concerns. And if you want to be a guest on the show, um, primarily on international breaks is when I look for them. Um, You've been with us. If you've been with me for a long time, you'll know that international breaks is kind of a freebie. So uh, if you want to come on, um, I would love to have you on to talk about anything you want about the Albion, uh, especially during the international break so let me know um, and you can hit me up on any of those lines um, if not have a great rest of your week and hopefully we can be discussing uh, how we won the three points against Burnley next week have a good one and be safe uh, so I figured we would do the top five stories of the week uh, I know I haven't clued you of them ahead of time but they're pretty hmm. easy to kind of riff off of so I'm sure you yeah. won't struggle um, yeah, no worries. so story number five is Andone leaving uh, came as quite a shock to everybody, I think, even uh, despite the outrageous challenge that he did against Southampton. Um, mm. And he's gone to Galatasaray of all places. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh, well, it's quite fiery over there. I wonder if he'll keep his temper. Um, I'm, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not too sure how I feel about it, really, because I mean, I've, I've always been an advocate of his. I thought he could have stepped on and done well for us. And you could see the signs of a good player there that would fit the Premier League. Um, having a bit of an edge in general in terms of match play can be a good thing. And he's obviously had his moments, the two games with Huddersfield, the game with Palace. Uh, there's been moments where you thought, yeah, once he gets in his stride, he's going to be great. But then you see the other side of him. Um, obviously, he got away with an elbow. I think he did anyway in the game in the cup game last season. And this year, he's already on the first start of the season managed to get himself sent off. So it's not ideal, is it really? And I guess that's um, a case of history will keep repeating itself. So in one sense. I can understand what Potter's doing. It's quite ballsy of him to do it, especially having already got Lucardia off the books as well. But um, I think a close-knit squad can work really well. There is a risk, obviously, that the, the problem is you're then subject to injuries and suspensions, possibly causing a bigger impact on you. But that close-knit togetherness, the positive mental attitude, keeping everything really kind of dynamic and and positive, I think, is a good thing. And it seems as if both Lucardia and Andoni were both, um, shall we say, a little bit more uh, inclined to the attitude. <laughs> yes, so it does seem to be that way. Mm. Um, looking back on his history, he doesn't seem to have uh, a long-standing history of being that kind of player to get a lot of cards and red cards uh, in his time in Spain. So I'm wondering if it's just the extra physicality is kind of made him think certain things are okay when they're quite clearly not. Or if, like you say, like that attitude is something that's rubbing off on the way he plays, and if he's not happy here, he's acting like an idiot on the pitch as well as off of it. Yeah, well, I think he's... I, I think probably the Premier League has brought out a certain extra edge in him. I would imagine that's going to be the case, yeah. Yeah, I think he probably is rising to uh, certain elements that he's come across since he's been in the Prem. And um, I, I would imagine that's the main thing. Um, maybe it's always just been a latent thing. And you, I, I don't know, the, the, the game in Spain is very different, isn't it? And I think very, yeah. it's not really physical in the same way. Um, so maybe he's just not been provoked into it much because there's always niggles, isn't there? And stuff going on off the ball and um, things said and done, which you won't see even if you're watching him closely on TV or in the stadium where you, there's bits and pieces going on behind the scenes there. So I'm wondering if he's getting wound up more by people and uh, he's just got a short fuse. Um, 
I mean, the, the, the sending off against Southampton was possibly just more as much clumsy as aggressive, I would say. Um, certainly it was a red card, but I'm not quite sure it was entirely a case of him going in just, just red-misting it, as, as, as Knockhart did, for example, against Bournemouth last season. I think this was a, di- it's a different kind of a thing, but it's certainly a problem. Um, and um, whatever the reasons, I think, ballsy though it is, it might prove to be a good decision from Potter. Uh, so, certainly if we don't get a major injury crisis anyway yeah no i think you're right i think it's uh i think it's one of those things that it potter is certainly reintroducing the no dickheads policy that uh, a lot of the players talked about a couple of years ago um which yeah. i'm all for because we don't need those kind of people uh although it was quite funny that we then went and signed trossard who has uh, said quite a few um immature things in the media in the past <laughs> too so uh speaking of him it looks like he's got a groin injury uh, Naylor has said he could be out up to three games, but yeah. with groin injuries, you never know. Uh, like one of our friends also said, he could be back next week. Um, they're pretty unpredictable, but let's hope that there's no further injuries because that would definitely hurt that idea of that front three that Potter is trying to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if they're looking to bring people in, uh, story number four is possible free agents to bring in. So I've been on Transfer Market this morning and I've got to tell you, it's uninspiring reading, Russ. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might say that. <laughs> uh, we've got um, so I'll read them through, and you can just give me a yes or a no as to whether you'd like them to uh, roll up at the Amex. Uh, okay, Wilfred, okay. Wilfred Bonny. <laughs> um, maybe a yes. Um, yeah, I think he's if he could get back to what he was doing before. Yeah, he, it's a possible option. Yeah, fair. fair. Uh, Keisuke Honda. 33-year-old Japanese superstar of yesteryear. Mm, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say yes to that in potentially. Um, I mean, it's a risky one. He hasn't played in the Premier League. Don't know if he's still got it. Don't know what his current status is in terms of whether he's had a lot of injuries or if he's, if he's still up to the, to, the, to the level. It might be someone that would find it difficult to adapt. But as a player, I liked him from what I remember of him. Um, so maybe a yes there as well, actually. Um, yeah, he spent a lot of time in Russia uh, and a lot of time in Germany, and it looks like he just hasn't got a club at the minute. Maybe he's waiting for the right hmm. amount of mega bucks to come along uh, back yeah. in Japan. I think he's I think he's quite a technical player and quite an intelligent player from from what I can remember. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of international experience and he's played in different countries, so he's got that sense of adaptability. But um, yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting choice, certainly. Um, but maybe why not? <laughs> it's free <laughs> if we can get him uh, in on reasonable wages. I know as much as you do about these players and their current status, so uh, I agree. It all stands on whether they're like fit or whether they're injury prone or whether they're just had enough. Um, Giuseppe Rossi is also another free agent, only twenty nine. Really, still only twenty nine? Yeah, it feels feels yeah. like he's been around for a long time. Uh, not sure about that one. I think he's. I can't remember where, but I'm pretty sure he tried to come back to England at one point and it didn't work out well. I don't know if I'm remembering that wrongly, um, but not sure. He, he seems to be a player that I think he was playing, was it Villarreal in Spain for a while, I think. Um, he was in Spain for a long time, yep. Yeah, and I, I think it, the game seemed to suit him. He sort of, he, as soon as he went over there, he seemed to just to get completely into his stride. So I'm wondering if he's one of those players that just, it just doesn't really work in England as well as it does over there. A bit like Jesus Navas and a few other players like that who um, just seem to click more in Spain. So I would probably go no on that one because I think the trail's gone cold for a bit of a time. But surprised to see he's only 29. Hmm, yeah, he, his last club was uh, Genoa. Um, he was at Fiorentina, uh, Levante, Villarreal, like you said, uh, and a couple of other spots. 
Um, mm-hmm. Goal scoring record's pretty good, but I worry that he fails to know Dickhead's policy. Um, I feel yeah, like he's well. got a bit of that in him. Uh, there was a reason Fergie got rid. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Yeah, I don't know his. Uh... What, what he's like but it, uh, yeah if, I mean that would certainly be we've got kind of high uh, watermark for this um, uh, this no dickheads policy haven't we so yeah, <laughs> I'm not, not sure many people will get over it really <laughs> but um, yeah I mean depending on that I mean who knows but I, I think I'll be I'll be disinclined on that one I think overall yeah yeah uh, Victor Anichibi is also a free agent and he's mm. 32 I believe it was yeah um, mm, that's a don't know that one I think it's got a couple of yeses and a no, but this one I think um, might be a don't know. I, I, again, I'm not really sure what he's been up to for a long time. One of those names has gone on off the radar, and I suppose the natural inclination is to just think no, because why would he be a free agent? And <laughs> uh, the same with the others, obviously as well. Um, but I mean, for one reason or another, they can be if they've just um, they've been injured when their contract ran out or whatever it might be. Um, I don't know his status, but he's kind of like a big strong lad, wasn't he? I think from what yes. I remember. And um, yep. I don't know if it's the kind of player we'll be looking for. It depends if Potter's looking for alternatives of the same mould to Murray or whether he just wants Murray as that kind of a striker and then his other options as other kinds of strikers. Um, but if he's looking for someone else to kind of fit a similar bill to Murray, then maybe, maybe an option. I would say I don't know on that one. Yeah, yeah. he was last at Beijing Enterprises for the 2017-2018 season, and he has not got a record since. Um, I think the other thing also comes in that he's of the uh, the generation of um, African players where certain ages may have been doctored uh, <laughs> that we talked about quite a lot. And at the time... What are your like suggestions, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> that early 2010s uh, was quite a period for finding out certain players weren't quite the uh, the age they said they were. Um, yeah. And I wonder if he's one of them because we had a lot of a lot of awfully good players retiring at thirty, uh, JJ Acocha and players like that who were unbelievable, yeah. and then for some reason retired when they're thirty or thirty-one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've noticed um, quite a few of those guys can look younger than they are as well, up to a point. So it's maybe more a case of the body catching up with them rather than the uh, the looks, <laughs> which yeah, unfortunately 100%. is the wrong way round from the football point of view. <laughs> <laughs> but, Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does seem surprising. He's only. Do you say thirty-two? Uh, Thirty-one, apparently. Oh, 31. Yeah. So I mean, that. Yeah, that sounds suspicious. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it feels like he's been around for a long time, <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm not sure on that one. Uh, and the last one is a player called Rodri. Uh, he is a player who's spent a lot of time in La Liga. Uh, he played for uh, Barcelona B, Zaragoza. Almeria, 1860 Munich, uh, Valladolid, Cordoba, uh, Granada. He has scored goals pretty much everywhere he's been. Um, I didn't know anything about him, actually, until I was looking into it. But he's only 29. Yeah, It's an interesting okay. uh, interesting type of player. I didn't know if you'd heard of him at all. Um, no, I, to be honest, I haven't heard of him. Obviously, I've only heard of the more well-known Rodri that's just come to the Prem, but in that's terms right. of that, <laughs> which would be nice, but now, that guy in particular, no, I can't say I've heard of him. I must have been, and I normally know a, a fair bit about the sort of broader spectrum of football world, but, uh, yeah, I, I honestly can't say I know anything at all about him. 
Yep, so, he's um, going to be a uh, he's going to be a bit of a shadow man if neither of us have anything on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, normally think if one of us doesn't know, the other one's got something on a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having said that, we have signed a number of players that we haven't heard of before, um, albeit good with point. mixed results. But um, <laughs> but some of them have proved to be good. I mean, I, um, who knows um, if if he's available. Um, and if we're looking, then it might be an option. Um, but I'll have to abstain on that one. Yep. Uh, definitely worth pointing out that we may well not even be looking anyway. Uh, a lot of people online, yeah. uh, Brian Owen and co, seem to think that we aren't actually interested in bringing anybody in, which kind of makes the decision to get rid of them all the more interesting. Uh, looks yeah. like it probably was a personality fit more than a playing fit. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably, I mean, I've, I'm not privy to any information, obviously, but I'm, I'm kind of inclined to agree with uh, Brian Owen because I, I have this hunch that uh, we're not looking for anyone. I think because Potter likes this tight-knit squad, positive mental attitude, very tight, you know, very um, very close-knit arrangements, I think he's fairly happy working in that scenario. So that's why I think it was probably Potter's decision and um, why we may not be in a hurry to look for anybody. I think we'll, we're always on the lookout in case somebody decent comes up at any point. But um, I don't think I've, I've got a feeling anyway that we're not actively looking. Um, and if that is the case, then yeah, that's pretty interesting to see how it will pan out. It certainly relies on youth coming into the equation, doesn't it? As well as backup. Yeah, one hundred percent. Connolly's already getting a plenty of chances in the kind of the Carling, well, Carling Cup, the Carabao Cup, uh, and a couple of other pieces here and there. Coming on with twenty minutes to go against Manchester City at the Etihad. <laughs> Um, So it's certainly going to be a time for him and I guess Alzate also to kick on. Um, And obviously we've got Bissouma coming back sooner than later now. Um, I know they said he would be kind of predicted to be back around what the end of September, October. And I haven't heard anything uh, of the contrary to say that he's kind of in worse shape than he was. So. Yeah, which is good news. Yeah. And um, certainly I think we, well, the Manchester City game, I think it was interesting that we played Connolly off the bench and we also got Webster a start there to go with this one in the uh, Carabao Cup. I think it was quite an intelligent move because it was probably, uh, in, a, in essence, a free hit to use that horrible cliched word, but it, it pretty much was. Um, and I think, you know, it got them some, some time because if you are going to do a close-knit arrangement, you need to get those players some game time. They'd have to be match sharp and also getting some some moments um, to, to get the experience, particularly the young players like Alzate and, and Connolly. So I think playing Connolly for, yeah, 20, 25 minutes in the City game is probably a, a shrewd move, as was getting Webster some time. So, you know, we expect to lose that game anyway. And then they've they've now got a bit more match sharpness going into the next one. Yeah, and yeah. given the fact that we couldn't give Liverpool the favour of getting the, beating them at the Amex at the very last game of the season, we've done them a favour this year and took out Laporte for three months. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, Laporte took out Laporte pretty much. But, uh, True. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only because of Webster's good running, though. That was, uh, was looking like it could have been a dangerous chance. So we forced them into having to do that. And yeah, I guess, although we didn't get the result for them again, we may have... Um, may have had a, a little bit of a swing in the title there with uh, with Laporte going off. I think that's a big blow for them, and he might be out for a while. Um, but it's yeah, good that we tested them. Months. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's going to be a big blow for them. And um, the fact that we were able to test City, and we were more proactive as we have been in all the games this season, which has been really encouraging. And I think um, the fact that we tested them to the point where they had to make a foul like that to avoid a dangerous attack shows some degree of improvement from our point in terms of going up against City. And... Um, yeah, that's, that's positive, I guess, as well. Agreed. Um, we have three more stories to hit. Two of them are going to be pretty much 
very quickly one and done and then our top story of the week we'll be able to dig a bit deeper in but uh story number three is the women's super league kicked off uh we got a nil nil draw against bristol city uh they also share the ashton gate stadium didn't know that um and they were also a mid-table team last year um and they've also been around for over 20 years which is quite a long time for a women's football team um so a great result away from for us away from home um have you been had a chance to go and watch them at all or do you have any interest in going to watch them um i haven't been at all i've um i've seen all the some bits and pieces online um i've been following the results and seeing how they're getting on um i've got a mild interest i would probably call it in going i think i probably would like to pop along at some point and see a game i've had sort of friends of mine who do go have sort of been advocates of it and saying it's a really good experience and um and they're very supportive of it um Obviously, being in North London, I don't get a chance to pop along so easily. Um, so it might take a while before I get a chance to go down to either the Amex or, or their main place at Crawley. Um, but um, it, it's, I think it's all good for the club. I think it's yet another success story, along with the under-23s and the, um, and the disability teams as well. And now, obviously, with the women's team all playing in the top level. It's great. Um, it's not easy. I think Bristol, I think they used to be called Bristol Academy, if I remember rightly, before they change their name back to Bristol City um but they I mean they've been around a while it's not an easy game um I think it's a good draw to start with um and hopefully we can have a good season it's, it's going to be a bit difficult isn't it because you've got Spurs and Man U now swaggering in with a bit of money behind them so it's staying in the division is probably going to be the objective again this year um, but I would like to get along and see them at some point yeah yeah it could be interesting yeah I think relocation is going to be the main bit uh, if they can relocate over to yeah. Brighton or even Lansing or like if they can adapt yeah. like one of Lansing's grounds or something, I'm not sure, like one of their kind of training pitches, I think yeah, that I mean, would that, be uh, that, the ticket for them, honestly. Yeah, it sounds like the logical way to go, doesn't it? I mean, it's a shame. I think they did play in Brighton briefly and then they moved to Crawley. And I think, um, well, the aforementioned friends that go to games, I mean, they apart from being more inconvenient, they also don't think it's a particularly good dynamic because it doesn't really project the the city of Brighton obviously not playing in Brighton it it just seems a bit odd um and yeah I think they'll probably lose quite a bit of potential momentum of um should we say crowd increasing um matters so uh, it would be good for them to get back to Sussex I mean to, to the coast area of Sussex I mean um maybe Worthing or somewhere like that might be good as well um just but just wherever they could uh, they could play sort of nearer to Brighton would be better I think um uh, but obviously it'll help them if they're getting big, bigger crowds as well as um, uh, as well as the general um, exposure. Yeah, agreed. Um, story number two, we'll have to be careful what we say here, um, but a Ooh. supporter was excluded for a social media post this week. Uh, yeah. Really, the only thing I wanted to ask was how do you feel about um, the impact of social media on getting people banned indefinitely from Stadia? Because it's not just the Albion that's happening here. I just wanted your mm. overall thoughts on that being a thing as opposed to uh, any of the more in-depth conversation that could get us in trouble with this one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, social media has been either a love-hate or even you could say a hate-hate relationship, hasn't it, with Liverpool, uh, with um, with football, whether it be at the top, that right down to the bottom, there seems to be problems. Um, in this case, it's a new angle on matters. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, as I understand it, I think there's been two different incidents. Is that right at this stage? Um, one involving yes. a, an employee telling a friend who then tweeted, and then there's this other one, which is the one you're talking about now. Is that right? Yes, there was one uh, last season, wasn't there, where somebody yeah. uh, was leaking team sheets, I believe was the uh, yeah. thing published in the Argus. And then this one was 
Well, they actually haven't been specific about who said what about what, but it was uh, yeah. the aftermath, uh, in their own words, they're after the aftermath yeah. of the Manchester City game. <laughs> right, yeah, so that, that that's the most recent one. Yeah, so that, I think, um, as I understand it, um, it, it's they, they've just got a, a basically a no-toleration policy whatsoever, which I suppose on the one hand is... Um, clarity it's you know everyone knows where they stand and if, if you've got zero tolerance you know people can't complain if that's the policy being projected however it's it seems pretty harsh as well i think uh, certainly one of these two bans was for three years and the other one i think was indefinite was it so i mean that that's pretty yep. strong stuff for leaking team news um if you're an employee and you're leaking team news and you get disciplined and presumably get sacked then you can sort of see where that might where, where that might emanate, but if you're just simply a fan that's happened upon information and you've tweeted it, um, that does seem an incredibly harsh um, punishment. Um, however, um, I guess if, if it sets a precedent, then um, it's good for the team that they that you know there's no advantage of any sort that potentially being gleaned by opposition um, because everyone's active, aren't they? They're all looking around, and any information can be picked up by anybody. Uh, so. Perhaps yep. it's for the best long term, but I do feel a bit for the uh, fan or fans involved. Um, that does seem tough. Yeah, it's, it's a bit rough. Uh, but like you said, it's clearly a zero tolerance. Um, so, I mean, we'll just have to be careful what we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of probably just being uh, racist or sexist or uh, generally overall offensive online uh, and putting yeah. it under a BHAFC hashtag is probably not the best idea. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, luckily, we're not normally like that, I have to say. <laughs> right. But, uh, thankfully. But then, um, but yeah, I mean, people will say stuff. I mean, there's been a, an incident, obviously, we won't mention the details, but I think that there's a certain fan group that have a, a, a kind of supporters handle uh, that have said some questionable stuff recently. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a bit ill-advised as well, isn't it? Um, possibly it's after a few drinks, but the immediacy of social media coupled with the fact it's on match days, a lot of stuff gets posted and people will tend to have had a drink on match days quite often. It seems to be like a bit of a heady, uh, a heady mix that doesn't really work too well, I have to Agreed. say. Uh, yeah. So to wrap up, final story yeah. of the week, top story of the week, uh, the most breaking news we've had, um, really the only thing to happen throughout the international break. Uh, Garcia has been sacked by Watford after yeah. four games yeah. um, and I believe one point because uh, yeah. they got a draw this weekend and they just gone. Um, yeah. And they've immediately brought in, within like 20 minutes, uh, their old manager, Flores. Thoughts? Mm. Uh, yeah, interesting one. I mean, Watford had a, I think people would, could, could safely say, an unexpectedly good season. I think people thought they would, might, might have a steady one, but they, they had a pretty good season last year, particularly from the first sort of third, was it two thirds of the season? Um I think they might have fallen away towards the end and therefore there's a string of bad results carrying over from last year into this year, isn't there? Which I'm sure is part of the reason for the for the sacking. Um, but off the back of last year as a whole, I would say that you'd have to call that a successful season for Watford, certainly. And for them to have sacked him after four games of this season, um, it seems, again, a bit of a tough one. Um, it just shows the fickle nature of football um, that you can be doing well and the psychology, the fragility of of, um, of how the team's doing and, and how a manager's doing with a team. And, you know, just within a short period, it falls away and there's no recourse. It's just, boom, they're straight out the door. Um, again, it seems a bit tough. I'm 
a little bit disappointed because I was hoping they would struggle for longer. <laughs> so one of the teams <laughs> that we want to be looking to get ahead of this year because I think they might struggle anyway. Um, Flores coming back in, obviously that was that was obviously lined up um, from the proximity of the appointment to the sacking of the other player, the other manager. But um, in terms of how he'll do, I mean he did quite well before. I thought. I think um, I can't remember exactly why he left. I think he was sacked, was he? Yeah, I think he would just let go. Um, yeah. He played a full season, one twelve, oh, draw nine, yeah. uh, and lost the rest. But he was—they're uh, two very different managers. He is yeah. very much uh, almost a Chris Hutton mold type manager mm. in terms mm. of uh, defensive solid at the back and think about goals later. So, and Garcia was very much the opposite. He liked that dynamic kind of going forward football. So, I'm wondering if they're going to continue to struggle for a little while just because of the whole uh, ethic change. Yeah. Possibly so, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's disruptive. Um, I think if I was Watford's owners, I would have liked to see things play out a little bit longer to see if he could turn it round. Because you do go through bad patches. It's one of those things that happens with teams. Um, you look at Bristol City, and they've stuck with Lee Johnson through probably three or four um, bad spells, shall we say. I know that's a different division, and the stakes are higher with with possible relegation from the Prem. But, but you know, the, these things ride through... Um, cycles as well and I think it wasn't the same with Hewton that was over a sustained period and you could see I think the change did need to be made but with this it's kind of early days and I'm not sure if they'll be any better off changing things around and as you said disrupting the uh, all of the, uh, the the behind the scenes prep and how things work behind the scenes there with with the change of manager now they might have been better off sticking with the manager and riding it out well we'll have to wait and see yeah, or, I mean, I guess alternatively, they could have just sacked him and we sacked Hutton if they were that concerned to only give it four games. It kind of feels yeah. like you may as well have just got rid of him in the summer yeah. if that was a concern at the end there. Um, but yeah. uh, from what you said about letting them kind of see how it shake out, shakes out, I had a quick look at their managerial history and they've had 12 managers in nine years. Um, yeah. And most of them were sacked after not really doing a great deal wrong. So <laughs> mm. uh, I don't think letting letting it shake out is in their uh, is in their no. mo for some reason. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not. I mean, they make Chelsea look pretty steady, don't they? Uh, Watford, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Um, it's not a model I like personally. Um, I think it's full of high risk. Um, obviously, you can get away with it, and they've proved they have because they they haven't slipped down the pecking order yet. But I do think. At some point, they're going to come unstuck with that, and um, I think it might be this season. I think they're one of my tips for relegation, personally, but we'll um, we'll see. But yeah, 12 managers in nine years is ridiculous, isn't it? It's just not a good way to run things. Um, if we didn't have the wealth of the Premier League, it would also be a pretty unaffordable way to run things, but I guess you can get away with that if you're in the top flight. Um, yeah, but- I think they... Uh- I think they also have the the knack of picking out actually pretty good managers that keep them afloat. Uh, yeah, to you know be they fair, tend that, to pick those yeah. play, those managers out that actually keep them going regardless of the constant disruption. They got Jakanovic when he was in his kind of uh, ascendancy, and then they got Flores who did very well for them. Mazzari, uh, who kind of just got them in there, and then Marco Silva gave them such a huge boost before bailing. <laughs> in <Yeah>. January, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. To be fair, they have they have done well with their recruitment. They they have looked at the right sort of managers and done well. And um, having said that, I mean, Swansea, I would say, are another club that do the same. But they still had a bit of a bad patch where they appointed a couple of managers that didn't work, and that's cost them at least for the time being. Anyway, um, 
and obviously they did get back on track with Graham Potter and unfortunately lost the, lost out to uh, somebody I can't remember who it was uh, but uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, the manager manager there but um we yeah I mean we um it, it's risky isn't it if you keep doing it you're going to come unstuck at some point um and I think that might be the case now but we'll have to wait and see I guess yeah I agree with you I think the the old phrase of you, you never go back um and same as you, like something's yeah. got to give sooner or later. Because uh, you're right, they signed, uh, who was it? Was it Bob Bradley um, and a couple of other managers right in quick yeah. succession and Swansea were out of the Premier League like an absolute yeah. stone. Um, uh, and I think Monk that was the other one, wasn't it? That's the one. Yep. Yeah, and Monk mm. hadn't even done a great deal wrong when they no, got rid of no. him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they're going to be in trouble this year. I agree with you. I think that... Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that if the run continues, they'll have a third manager by January. And then, you know, what can you do at yeah. that point? <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope Palace is one of the other teams going down anyway. As long as they do, they'll be happy. And, and we survive, of course. <laughs> Agreed. <Yeah. laughs> well, that pretty much wraps up the stories of the week. So thank you for joining me this week, Ross. Um, yeah, no worries. Any final thoughts on uh, our next um, couple of games? Well, I think we've had a mixed bag to the start of the season in August, haven't we? And uh, I mean, great start at Watford. Um, I think disappointing, pretty unjustified results, really, from the West Ham and Southampton games. I think we deserved a draw in that match, despite the, the 10 to 11 um, um, situation with the players. Um, and West Ham, I think we deserve to win. So I think we're, we're down on points we should have. City was par for the course, of course. But um, looking forward to September, yeah, I think we've got a there's a bit of pressure on us now, obviously, to get the results in the more winnable games, the Burnley home game, the Newcastle away match. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we respond to that. If we can keep playing the way we've started under Potter with adventurous, interactive, dynamic, uh, proactive and progressive football, then I think long term will be great. Hopefully in the short term, we'll be good as well. Um, but there is a bit of pressure on those games now. Maybe we can pull off a result in the uh, the other two matches against the London sides, Spurs and Chelsea. But um it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. A little bit nervous now because of the points, but I think we'll be okay. Um, but we do need to get back on track, I think, now. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, we have some winnable games. Uh, so we should certainly see. Thank you for coming mm. on, Russ. Um, no worries it's been at a good all. one. And I'm Thank sure you. that we will be in touch again soon. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. See you soon. All right. Thanks Cheers. a lot, mate. Bye. 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 While you may think that history is, eh, vaguely interesting, the truth is it's fun and metal AF. Echoes of the past are still reverberating through our world today, and Body Count is here to show you how our shared history affects your life on the daily. Whether you know it or not. So, are you past the point of higher education? Feel like you didn't learn anything from your high school history teacher? Or just didn't give a flying crap about it? Are you tired of always missing out on the yellow history pie piece in Trivial Pursuit? Are you the horror of all your friends' game nights? Did you once proudly announce that Napoleon Bonaparte was a super short little nutsack? When in reality, he was an average-sized nutsack. Have you been thinking about living under a faulty dam? Or perhaps an active volcano? Well, we have good news. It's not too late for you or your homeowner's insurance. 
come on over and listen to Body Count, the podcast that explores death and disaster through the ages with only one rule. Someone, or usually a lot of someone's, dies. Because history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. A proud member of the MSE Podcast Network.